Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Thanks, Kat and the team. This morning's Bible reading is actually four quite brief readings. So I'll read them one after the other, but letting you know where they're from. The first one comes from Matthew chapter 8, verses 20 to 22. But in order to make sense of Jesus' reply, I think we need to know that a teacher of the law has come to him first of all and promised that he will follow him wherever Jesus goes. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. Then from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 42, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. From John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And lastly, from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Based on those four verses or passages, you might be a little bit confused as to what we're talking about because they're all kind of disparate and uh, thank you, Lynn, for uh, having just going along with me and and using four passages instead of the usual one. Uh, I like to put people to work, you see. Uh, But welcome. My name is Aaron Chidzi. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my wife and I, we've been uh, attending Kerry for a little while now. Uh, and Pete asked if I could preach, if I would like to preach, and I said, definitely. I uh, love getting the opportunity to preach. Uh, so here we go. Let me pray, and uh, we'll get into it. Uh, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just want to glorify you today. Lord, we want to acknowledge your presence with us right now. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your power. We thank you for uh, bringing us this message of love Lord, I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds to you this morning. Speak to us, equip us, grow us, challenge us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Have a look at this picture. Uh, This is apparently a picture of Jesus. Uh, I think we've all seen pictures of Jesus like this before. It's just a very nice Jesus. He's very well-groomed. Uh, he's, he's very clean. 
Um, he's, also, he's also very white. Um, but, you know, we've all seen pictures like that, kind of this really nice, perhaps timid, neat, apathetic Jesus gazing off into the distance, holding a lamb in his hands uh, with a Mona Lisa smile on his face. You know, he looks holy. He looks sacred. He looks above it all, separate. And I I, I don't like that. Uh, These pictures to me, that Jesus to me, doesn't look like he is human. He doesn't look like he knows what we're really going through. He doesn't, he doesn't look like he's actually here with us. Oops. Sorry, the, let me just... Before I knock it over. Um, it, yeah, it, he, I think that sort of Jesus, where he's completely separate to humanity and all of the things that humanity is going through, I think is dangerous to the church because that's the Jesus that we emulate. That's the Jesus we copy. Uh, you see, a sanitized Jesus, a neat, perfect Jesus, is a sanitized church. That's not what Jesus wants. Because it's not what Jesus did. It's not who he is. I think, uh, in my opinion, a better picture of Jesus is one uh, where he is covered in mud covered in dust, uh, his face, you know, he's stained with those tear streaks that he's shared, that he's shed with his, uh, the people that he's been with. And I think there's uh, stains of blood on his clothing from the blood of the people that he's been uh, holding. You know, he's tired, he's frustrated, he's angry, and he's probably hungry. He's not white, he's Middle Eastern. His hair isn't perfect and flowing. Maybe his hair is a little bit unkempt. It's covered in the, in the salt uh, from the sea when he's been out with the fishermen. You know, I think that is a better picture of Jesus. And that's the Jesus that we should be copying. Uh, I think the Apostle Paul, he kind of paints a bit of a picture well in Philippians 2 when he says <clears throat> that Jesus was in glory. He was on his throne, uh, but he was willing to step down to make himself nothing. He made himself nothing, even willing to die a death on the cross. That's the idea of the incarnation, uh, which we will actually be celebrating in exactly a month uh, from today. That is, God became flesh. God took on flesh. He became human. And with that, he took on all of humanity's problems. I didn't include a picture of this artwork, uh, which will become clear very soon, but there was a, a photographer named Andre Serrano. I think I'm pronouncing it right. But in the 80s, he created this artwork which he entitled Immersion. And what he did was he took a model of Jesus on the cross and he lowered it into a a bucket uh, of his own urine, uh, which is why I haven't included it on the PowerPoint. 
Bell will say that the man needs to drink more water. <laughs> uh, but he took a photo of this, of Jesus in, you know, his excrement. He took a photo of it. <clears throat> Sorry. And that's his artwork. And it got criticised widely by Christians all over the place who were saying that it was blasphemous and that it was just making a mockery of Christianity. Interestingly, he said it wasn't. He said that he's a devout Catholic and that it's actually a comment on uh, the commercialization of uh, spiritual, spirituality and of religious experience, kind of what we've done to the cross, which is actually quite interesting. Uh, but, you know, it got condemned widely. But I think it's actually a very good example a very good illustration of what Jesus did. As gross as it might be, Jesus took on, he lowered himself into the waste of humanity. He took on all of humanity's sin, stress, pain. When he made himself nothing, when he made himself a slave, dying on the cross, he was literally lowering himself into a bucket of waste. If you want to see that artwork, uh, you can look it up later, if you like. <laughs> Not now. Uh, but I think that's a good picture of Jesus, just the way that he, it, that he took on everything. So, rather than the clean, sanitized, sterile Jesus that is so commonly portrayed, the reality is that Jesus was probably part of the lower class of Roman society. So this society, uh, it was a very class-based society that you know, is a bit foreign for us today. But there was a very distinct, a uh, very pronounced distinction between the upper and the lower class. The upper, uh, the patricians, they were the very small minority. They were the very wealthy. And then Caesar was at the top. Uh, then you had the plebeians, and that was the majority of everybody, and they were pretty poor. Then you had the slaves at the very bottom. But Jesus, he was kind of in, he was in the lower class. He was a, a plebeian. He was probably quite poor. And during the time of his ministry, that's recorded in the Gospels, he was actually homeless. Jesus was actually homeless. That's why he says in Matthew 8.20, as was read out, that the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He was telling his disciples, look, I don't have a comfy pillow. I don't have a nice bed. If you're going to follow me, this is hard. This is hard stuff. Because he was an itinerant preacher. And itinerant preachers, they were fairly common back then. They would kind of travel from town to town. Uh, relying on the generosity of others. And it seems like these preachers were usually respected and welcomed, but just tolerated. Uh, you didn't, as an itinerant preacher, want to overstay your welcome. So Jesus, he didn't have a home. He didn't see his family very often. He did have disciples and followers, 
including uh, his disciples. But in reality, it was probably a very hard few years for Jesus. It was very hard. But we have romanticized this idea of Jesus kind of going and, and his band of merry followers going on this exciting adventure, kind of like Bilbo Baggins at the beginning of Hobbit, The Hobbit, where he's like, I'm going on an adventure and it's all full of uh, hope and excitement and everything's nice and easy until Bilbo first discovers you know, the goblins and everything and suddenly the world is very hard. Uh, the reality is that Jesus probably went hungry. He was probably often dirty, smelly. Maybe his dental hygiene wasn't so great and his clothes were ragged. That's probably what Jesus was like for a lot of the time. Which kind of makes what Jesus says about caring for the least of these that much more significant. Let me just read out Matthew 25. Verses 35 to 40. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. We know that Jesus was one of the hungry. That kind of makes that real. It makes it all the more significant, knowing uh, that Jesus went hungry. And when we feed the hungry, or when we go uh, without ourselves, this just makes it all the more real. When we feed others, we're feeding Jesus. But Jesus' ministry uh, was so uncomfortable and unclean as uh, according to normal societal kind of customs in that he even spent time with lepers. He even spent time with lepers, which in the first century uh, was a serious, serious uh, offence to just normal civilized society. He did not spend time with lepers. They were outcast. They were forgotten about. But in Mark 1, uh, verses 40 to 45, we read a story of Jesus doing something incredible. Uh, It says, A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. 
See, Jesus touched a man with leprosy. These people were, they were below even the slaves to associate with, let alone touch. Someone forgotten, someone hopeless, someone sick like this man was, uh, was in, in that society, was despised. You would essentially become an outcast if you did something like that. But Jesus associated with the lowest, the people who had the least, the hopeless and the forgotten. He brought the message of the love of God to people who would otherwise have nothing. He demonstrates that even God himself, the highest of high, cared just as much for the lowest of low. The people forgotten by society are treasured by God. So we have often whitewashed and sanitized Jesus, and this has perhaps affected our ministry efforts. A comfortable and clean Jesus is a comfortable and clean Christian. But Jesus, he stepped into the muck. Right? He got amongst the hopeless. He got amongst the sick. He got amongst those struggling. He associated with those people who society had pushed away. So we also should do likewise. Our Jesus is the Jesus, not the Jesus we saw before, but the dirty Jesus, the Jesus who was with the homeless. We should follow Jesus to the lepers. So Jesus didn't live a sanitized, sterile, clean life, but he stooped down from his throne to get dirty to where civilized society did not go, to take all of humanity and all of humanity's struggles and pain upon himself, and he calls us to follow him. We are called to emulate that incarnational life, and it's not always comfortable or easy. When he called his disciples... One asked if he could bury his father and then follow Jesus. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. Which demonstrates the costliness of following Jesus. Uh, that disciple was probably asking to postpone his discipleship, possibly waiting to receive his inheritance. Uh, Jesus' response, however, shows that it, uh, we cannot wait until life gets comfortable. We cannot wait until we've got everything you know, set and ready, and then we'll follow Jesus. Uh, we have to do it right now, and it costs. It's uncomfortable. It's not easy. It costs Jesus his life. And he says uh, it could well cost our own. That's why he says, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. What he is calling us to is to be willing to give everything for that other person. But it also means following Jesus to those who need his love most. Are we willing to become that lower class, the marginalized? Are we willing to follow Jesus to the least? Jesus became a leper for the lepers, a homeless man for the homeless, a forgotten person for the forgotten. 
there was a, a Catholic priest named Father Damien. Some of you might know this story, and some who uh, have watched the Love of God documentary uh, might know this story. Uh, but Father Damien, he was a Roman Catholic priest from Belgium. Uh, and in 1873, uh, he went to the quarantined Kalaupapa Peninsula on the island of Molokai in Hawaii, uh, which was basically, it was a leper colony. It was quarantined. No one was allowed onto it. But he got permission to go there. And he, he spent 11 years there. He built uh, churches and he built a reservoir. He looked after people's wounds. Uh, He built homes, furniture. Uh, He also built coffins. He established a community leadership as well as teaching the Christian faith. He was well and truly part of their community. And in a letter that he wrote to his brother, he says, I make myself a leper with the lepers to gain all to Jesus Christ. He says, I make myself a leper with the lepers to gain all to Jesus Christ. I don't think that's particularly different to, and the word became flesh and lived among us. This man lived an incarnational life. He followed Jesus to the least. He followed Jesus to the lepers. After 11 years, he discovered that he had contracted the disease when scalding water was splashed onto him and he didn't feel anything. But he still continued to work. And then he died in 1889. That's an illustration of how uncomfortable and how difficult following Jesus actually is. It's not sanitized. It's not clean and easy. Jesus called his disciples to follow him to become essentially homeless and unemployed. And that's not necessarily what he's calling each one of us to do. What he is calling each one of us to do is unique to our own individual circumstances. Uh, But the point is that we must be willing to be uncomfortable and to help those around us, to help those uh, who need help, to help those who are not getting help from anywhere else. We must do what is necessary to, uh, to help the underprivileged, even if it is deemed socially unacceptable. We cannot be a sanitized church, but an incarnational church. Like Jesus, let us be a church stained with the blood of those we help, covered in dust and salt and sweat, as we travel to those who need to hear God's message of hope, drenched in the tears of those we comfort. Will we follow Jesus to these people? Will we follow Jesus to the lepers, to the homeless in Perth CBD, to our grieving neighbours, those who are struggling to afford school fees, uniforms, textbooks, as well as rent, food and Christmas presents, to the immigrants who have escaped horrors that we cannot imagine? Are we willing as a church to follow Jesus to these people? Will we continue to be a sterile church, reflecting that sterile, a holier-than-thou white Jesus? Or will we be willing to reflect the Jesus of the New Testament who refused to play by the rules 
and act according to societal norms, but who brought hope to the hopeless. What church will we be? But finally, we are not called to do it on our own. Because you know it's hard. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. It costs. But Jesus has not called us to do it on our own. He has given us the church, a community where we can help one another, support and build up one another. The church is a sanctuary, but it is also a hospital and an emergency department. It's a support group and it's rehab. We come to church because we all know how hard it is out beyond these church walls. We know how painful it can be. And we have that understanding in common. So we help one another. You know, at least that's what the church should be. And I hope that we can be that church. We help one another to follow Jesus wherever he may lead. Jesus himself needed people around him. He called his disciples, and within that had an even closer circle of friends, Peter, James, and John. He asked these to be with him on the most difficult night of his life. Jesus needed people, and so do we. We need people. When Jesus sent his disciples off, he sent them off in pairs. In Genesis, the first thing that God said was not good about creation was that Adam was alone. So God created Eve. As a church, we need to build one another up, and we need to encourage one another. Uh, I like that Hebrews uh, 3 verse 13 passage, which says, Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. The author is basically saying, if you're not getting the point, do it constantly. Always do it, every day. If we are to follow Jesus into the hardships and difficulties of reality, we need one another. And you know that, that idea of encouraging one another uh, it's not just a little compliments like, I like your hair. You sang really well. Cat, uh, you're singing really well. <laughs> uh, your cooking is amazing. Those sort of compliments, which are good and important. Keep doing those. And if you haven't started, start offering those little compliments. But I'm talking about deep encouragement. Because the word encourage uh, actually means to give courage. So when we... Give courage to one another. We're making that person strong and capable. It's about empowering one another to go out and follow Jesus into the muck. And that takes sustained and continual effort and relationship. So can we at Kerry, can we be a church community that builds one another up, encourages one another up, that comes together regularly to say, yeah, man, that was hard, that was tough. Let's go do it again. We are called to follow Jesus and reflect his incarnational heart, to be willing to follow him into the lowest classes and to help first and prioritize the marginalized, the forgotten, the, the ignorant, the sick, sorry, not the ignorant, the ignored, but I guess everyone, 
those deemed by society to be useless. So remember this. A sanitized Jesus is a sanitized church, but a church that reflects the true heart of Jesus is one stained with the marks of bringing hope to the hopeless. Will we follow Jesus wherever he goes? Will we follow him to the immigrants, the homeless, the vulnerable children, those with anxiety or depression, the abused, the lonely, or the forgotten. We follow Jesus there because here's the thing. Jesus is already there. And he's waiting for us to join him. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love. Lord, I thank you, as Paul says in Romans 5, that though we were still enemies, you still died for us. Lord, we are hopeless without you, and you have given us so much. Equip us and enable us by your Holy Spirit to take what you have given us and give it to those who do not yet have it. Let us be the salt and the light in this world to preach your gospel and to sometimes use words. Father, be with us. Thank you for this time. Thank you for how much you love us, how much you have given for us. Thank you for giving us the church that we can help one another and do it together. Thank you for everything you've done, for everything that you are doing. Lord, we thank you.